Under, we're on a mission to democratize entrepreneurial education and on the way to building one of the largest online schools in the world for entrepreneurs. We interview some of the greatest founders of our generation to find out how they did it so you can too. However, in this series, we're working with our students in the community who are deep within the process of building their own successful business. These are the founders of tomorrow, who have stood where you are and on the way to building the business of their dreams. Now, before we jump in, our lawyers have told us to tell you this. Of course, we can't guarantee you'll have the results like some of the stories we're about to share. And as you know, with any business, it's a lot of hard work in addition to completing any online course. With that said, welcome to From Zero to Founder. Molly here, I'm Founders Community Manager, and welcome back to the series From Zero to Founder. Today I'm sitting down with Madison, who is one of our Instagram domination students and has created her own amazing agency based off wanting to help small businesses. Boho Social has grown massively over three years and she has such great insights that she wants to share with everyone. So let's jump straight in. Hi Madison, welcome. Why not start by introducing yourself and telling me a little bit about your business? Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm Madison from Boho Social and I am an organic marketing specialist. So I specialize in everything not paid basically. So no paid work, everything organic. And yeah, I've been doing that for almost three years now. So coming up to three year anniversary of my business. Incredible. And I think it's so great that you do non-paid work because I feel like a lot of people that I've spoken to in the past is Facebook ads and Instagram ads and TikTok ads and things like that. But I think you bring a really unique perspective to it because a lot of people want to know how to grow organically, which I think you are almost getting to be the master of, which is really exciting. But before we jump into everything Boho Social, I'd love to kind of hear more about your story of where you were before you started your business. So if you'd like to tell a little bit more about your experiences that you've had. Yeah, so it was such a, it's been a long journey now. It's been, yeah, years and years. So I went to uni and I studied communication. So I did mainly marketing and PR. And back then we really focused on LinkedIn and Twitter because they were the two big social media platforms. Um, And it was really corporate based. So it was, you know, crisis management and, you know, how big brands would use their brand voice on socials. And it was just getting into brands, kind of getting over the hurdle of not having a corporate voice. It was learning that, you know, a brand can actually be a little bit more personal and a bit funny and all of these things were just starting to emerge. This was, you know, 12, 13 years ago. So we're really just seeing that, that start. Then I graduated uni, uh, worked in digital agencies. So I've always been in some kind of digital marketing pretty much. Uh, moved to London from Australia, as a lot of Aussies do, had to have that London experience. <laughs> worked in digital marketing over there for a year. And my other year I worked in communications. Came back, did a few bits and bobs and worked for a business just building their, building their brand, building their business and sort of building that brand from scratch that was like a year and a half gig basically where I just got to work on that one business which was really cool to work on something from the ground up it was like it was like having a baby it was like raising this child and um, you know helping their team grow that business and then I very briefly worked for another agency didn't really vibe there too much and I kept seeing these small business owners come into meetings and it was heartbreaking because they'd all come in, they'd be so inspired and they'd be like telling you about their, their business or they'd like bring in a really cool product and we'd get to see it and stuff like that. But they just didn't have these huge agency budgets. 
to be able to afford, you know, the packages that agencies offered. Usually it's so inclusive that, you know, it's up in the tens of thousands of dollars. So I'd always see these small businesses like leave the meeting. You just see that little, like, little defeated look on their face like, oh, I know I need marketing, but there's no way, you know, we have the budget for this. And I kept seeing it over and over in a short time I was at this agency. And I thought, I know I could help them. Like, I know I could just like send them an email and be like, oh, hey, like, I know what we should do. Here's the plan. But obviously I couldn't because I was working for this agency. And then that's kind of when Boho Social, the idea was born. I was like, hang on, I have the skills and the knowledge and I love small businesses so much. It's me. I can help them. So, um, yeah, that was it. I left that agency uh, on a Friday, started Boho Social on the Monday, probably a Saturday, let's be honest, straight away. <laughs> and that was it. I've been um, full-time ever since. So that's kind of how it became. I just had to help these small businesses that needed that guidance. Mm-hmm. And I think that's such a beautiful story because, you know, like you mentioned, there are so many younger smaller businesses that just want to foot in the door and just want to learn and just want to soak it all up but it can be an expensive road to go down agencies so I think it's really great that you kind of had that almost epiphany and you're like I need to do this which is really really cool and you mentioned how you quit your your agency job was it a little bit daunting going from having a full-time kind of income that you could rely on to then (laughs) being on your own like how did you kind of navigate that experience Yeah, it was tricky because that particular job was probably the best money I'd been on for quite some time, especially coming from like pounds to dollars and all those things. I was like, finally, back in Australia, you know, good money, uh, which felt nice and comfortable. And then to think, okay, I'm going to go from like this good salary to, you know, it's literally zero. Uh, Yeah, it definitely was daunting. But I think going from that full-time gig with a good salary to literally nothing, made me work so hard because I didn't have anything to fall back on. It was like, this has to work because I have to pay my bills. Um, So it really gave me no choice. So I was like, okay, I'm going to make this work. I'm going to do everything in my power, you know, to get this business off the ground because I don't want to go back to a big agency. I want to help small businesses. So I just told myself, you've got to make it work. Whatever happens, it's going to work. (laughs) And that's such a great outlook to have. And I think, as you said, it kind of lit that fire in your belly and it shows how passionate you are about, you know, what it is that you do, which is even better. But from quitting your job and waking up Saturday morning, how did you kind of put the motions in step to make this reality? What was one of the first things or some of the first things you did to actually create your own um, small business agency? First thing I did, I think, was build my website because I had a bit of experience in that. So I was really excited to like build my website and do those little like fun things. The next thing I did, I think, was jump in um, Facebook groups. So I'm in um, WA and we have one called Girl Boss. And it's just full of Perth business women, you know, asking for recommendations and asking for things. So I would just sit there and I would wait and I would look every time I went social media. I was like, hi, my name's Madison. Uh, I have this business, I can help you. And I just like plugged myself like continuously. Every time I saw someone asking for social media help, I would literally tag myself and be like, hi, yeah, I can help you. I can do this, I can do that. And I'd sit in there and I'd just continuously, like every day I would look, has anyone asked for social media help? Has anyone asked for this? And then I started getting more and more clients and then they'd start recommending me in that group and other groups, which was really cool because I could stop plugging myself so hard and let other people, you know, help and, and do it for me. And yeah, it kind of took off from there. So I think the very first thing I did was get a website. So when people 
when I did tag myself, I could be like, hey, here's my website. Like, I'm real, I'm legit, I exist. Um, and I think even before that, I was thinking about this the other day, my very first sort of business expense was getting my logo done. So I had not a lot of money to spend on everything, but I knew that I wanted like a really cool logo that represented the brand. So that was the first thing. And I was so excited to get that like on my website and on my socials. And yeah, the, the Facebook group was probably the very first step in just connecting with people and putting myself out there. Mm, because it is such a networking game. There's so many, I guess, possibilities out there and so many people that you can meet. So it's a really great tip that you just provided there. And might I add, I went onto your website. It is absolutely stunning. I love your branding and your logo does look amazing. And it's you like you know just looking at you now it's like you exude your website is you which I think is really refreshing (laughs) yeah (laughs) which is really cool and I think it's something unique as well which is really really special um so when did you what was the timeline like when you started doing the Instagram domination course that here at Founder we kind of provide to help and guide through Instagram growth yeah so I did the Founder course before Boho Social existed so that was when I was working for uh, another business that I loved working for uh and I can't remember if it was myself or that business owner that found the course, but we were like, yes, yeah, this looks great. This is what I need because, as I said, I was so um, used to like LinkedIn, Twitter, a little bit of Facebook as well. Instagram wasn't a platform. It was kind of just emerging at the time really as a really good business channel. We'd started to see influencers using it and other people and businesses were jumping on board. Um, and yeah, I remember, I think it was a video. I remember seeing people like growing their accounts and I was like, oh my gosh, we should do this for the business. Like how cool would it be if, you know, we use Instagram and both got really excited about it. So I jumped in and I'm one of those people that like, I need to do it as quickly as possible because I want all the information. So I just spent days and days um, in the Instagram domination course, just getting all that information. I still have like a notebook somewhere, like of all my, <laughs> of all my little um, nuggets of gold. And yeah, that really set me up to, to understand how to use it as a marketing tool. Because before then, I think a lot of us were still using it solely for sharing photos. And before that, I remember just going on there for the filters because filters weren't a thing that you could get everywhere. So I was like, Valencia Pro, like, I need that on my, like, you know, <laughs> girls night photo or something like that. Um, so yeah, the Instagram domination course was so great to learn how to use it as a business. And obviously, that really set me up for my business because like, that's what I do. I help other businesses use Instagram to yeah, get their business out there and get them more conversions. Mm-hmm. And I completely relate to you in using Instagram as a filter platform. That's all I use it for. There'll be pics of the most random things like of a plate with a filter on it or like a pair of shoes with yes. a filter on it. And they were the good old days. So I think it's really cool that there has been that evolution in how people use and facilitate the features on Instagram, which, you know, you've done quite brilliantly with all your clients. Uh, how have you kind of found the evolution between, you know, some of the basic features on Instagram that, you know, you were using back, you know, 10 years ago or so now to how it is now and how it can really help elevate your clients? What's been the big distinguishing feature or difference? Oh, I reckon, I was just saying this recently, I reckon this year, well, kind of like last 12 months, we've seen more new features and tools than we have in the last nine, which is crazy. Um, especially being a social media manager I think we're all just scrambling like trying to keep up like oh my gosh there's another announcement what's it going to be but I think one of the big things that we saw with other platforms 
it was one way. It was like a business and they're like, I'm putting out this tweet. This is what the business says. Or even Facebook and Instagram. It's like, we say this, this is our topic or this is what we want to say. There you go. Just kind of like billboards as in the newspaper, print media. It was like, this is what we're giving you and that's it. Whereas now it's like this two way communication where it's like, we think this, what do you think? Let's have a conversation. Let's have a chat. It's this amazing like two way communication and community that you're building with your audience. It's not just like selling them stuff, throwing things at them. It's like community and collaboration. And I think that's like the coolest thing that we've seen come out of it because never before in marketing have we had this two way street between a business and you know customers it's always been a one-way thing whereas now it's this like open channel where we can all like collaborate and chat and they can jump in your dms and comment on your posts and it's like instant feedback like how cool is that yeah no i can completely relate to that as a community manager myself i think it's opened so many doors for so many opportunities of all different kind of backgrounds and niches for instagram it's not just solely for one type of you know business or product and I would love to now like explore more about how you kind of found your clients because you've done such amazing work and the services that you actually have listed on your website as something that you can help is quite extensive. So I'd love to know from the start, what was your first client? Do you remember that moment of saying, yes, I can help you and seeing the results come through for them? My first client, my first client for social media was an interior designer. And yeah, she, she wasn't keen. A lot of clients come to me and they're not like keen on a platform. They're like, I don't really like socials. And I get that. It's not everyone's thing and it's time consuming as well. So it's like, we can't, you know, put that much time into every single part of our business. We've got to outsource somewhere. And she was really looking for that like connection and collaboration. And I remember, I think it was two weeks in after I'd taken over her account. I remember getting a DM from her. I've got a screenshot somewhere and it said, oh my gosh, I've got, like 40 new followers and all these DMs from um, clients and builders because she wanted to connect with, you know, people in the industry. And she was like, it's only been a couple of weeks and like all these things are happening. Whereas before it had just been pretty, you know, nothing, a bit dead. And then all of a sudden she was getting all these things come in and it was cool for her to see, oh, wow, this platform actually is letting me not only show to more clients, but also connect with people in my industry that's going to help my business grow you know, in other ways. So I think that was like a huge moment, not only my first client, but, you know, I got to get her results really quickly as well. So yeah, it was definitely a win for both of us. Definitely. It sounds like such a great feeling to have. And from there, did you start just trying to take on as many clients as you could, or did you have a system about it where you were only going to allow yourself to have X amount of clients who could really focus on them, get them results? What was kind of your game plan? Obviously, just start with was like, oh, how many can I have? You don't really know until you start taking clients on and then you get to these points and you're like, oh my gosh, okay. Uh, then I changed my packages. So the first thing I think when we got to like my limit, I was like, okay, I need to change my packages. I need one that just focuses on amazing content and one that's like absolutely everything, whole package. You know, you can just throw your phone away and I'll do everything for you. So that was like a defining moment where I was like, I need to change my packages to really be able to service as many people I can, but give them the best experience. So that's when I came up with like the growth package, which is that one that, you know, really helps them get lots of DMs and more followers and like all the things. But I think it's still a thing we have, I have team members now, which is amazing. And we still, you know, are finding that there's uh, capacities that, 
you know, I go, that's it. Like, and often you'll see on my website, it's like fully booked, um, you know, join the wait list and we'll see what we can do. We'll see how things fit. Um, because it's one of those things where there's so much to social media. It takes so much time and strategy and research and all these things every single month that, yeah, it's one of those things where we can only help a certain amount of business owners, um, which is kind of sad for us. So I want to work with everyone. And, um, you know, you see people emailing and I'm like, Oh, your business looks so cool. I want to work with you. Um, and then we try and get clients into things like coaching and other areas. So it's like, please bear with me. You can't jump on right now, but there'll be space for you. Let's do some coaching to get you really confident managing your own until you can get me to manage it for you. So I think that's like a good compromise (laughs) in the interim. Definitely. And it's great to know there is such high demand for what it is that you do every day and you'll, you'll keep busy and you'll keep just learning and innovating, which I think is incredible. But Something I want to touch upon, because I feel like a few people listening might have this question just based off the nature of what you do working as like a service-based product. How did you initially kind of market yourself and kind of find how much your services were worth in terms of how much you were going to charge or the packages that you initially created? How did you like navigate that process? This was a tricky one. And looking back, I definitely didn't probably do it the best way either. Uh, so I went on to lots of other social media managers' websites and I looked at their pricing and I looked at what was included. And I already knew from digital agencies, I knew that a lot of inclusions that were missing. So I was like, I don't care what other people are offering. I know what I want to offer because I know at that stage what works and what doesn't. So I was like, I'm not going to worry about what's included, but I did heavily look at other people's pricing. And I kind of just found myself in the middle. I probably went under a little bit because I was new, no one knew who I was, no one had heard of my business. I was like, I'll do it a little bit cheaper. Uh, And that's when I was starting to get way too many clients. And, you know, my bank account wasn't really reflecting how much work I was doing. And that was a point where I was like, oh my gosh, like something's got to change. I can't keep working these like 14 hour days everything's getting crazy. Um, and I did get a business coach who helped me redo my prices and all those things because the thing she pointed out to me was, you don't, those businesses that you're copying their prices, you don't know if they're making profit. You don't know if they have team members. You don't know if they're outsourcing their work. Like you don't know anything about them. So why just copy their pricing structure? So it's all about actually working out how many hours it took me to to create a feed and to do all the things that are included and then kind of putting that back into, you know, a dollar value. So it definitely wasn't a linear path. It was like back and forth and working things out. And, you know, like we use scheduling tools and things like that and their prices increase. And it was like trying to balance, you know, giving as much value to my clients as possible and making it affordable for small business, but also making sure that, my business was profiting as well. So yeah, it was definitely a learning curve. And yeah, that first year was the hardest because I was undercharging so much. And yeah, it was difficult. And now I feel like I have like the skills and I think a lot of it is just trial and error as well. You've just got to do it to work out, you know, what works in your business and um, yeah, looking at your profit and loss, (laughs) which is something that I didn't do at the start either. Um, You know, looking at your figures properly and working out you know, what packages are actually making the most and where is the money going and what, you know, what might not be profitable. So that's when we did drop a package as well. It wasn't giving my clients enough extra value, but it was costing the business a lot to do. And I was like, oh, hang on, they're not getting 
enough extra of a charge this much and it's not working out for us either. So instead of having like lots of packages, I dropped it down just to the two because I found that most small businesses will fit into one or the other. So it was just, yeah, it's just trial and error and learning and also just receiving feedback from people to see what they really want as well. Mm, And there's such amazing tips that you've provided because I know it can be a bit of a pain point in you know, a lot of young small businesses that are trying to get their feet and learn how to to get through this process. And I'll never forget the one thing I heard that kind of sparked and kind of supports what you're saying is in order to grow, sometimes you need to cut back on clients. But that seems a bit counterintuitive. But if you raise your prices, you're going to have less people, but doubling the cost, which means you can work more hands on, you can do more of the stuff that you were just saying, which is so incredible. And I think it's led you to where you are today, which is amazing. And I'd love to kind of speak to you now about that moment in time where you realized, wow, okay, I'm really onto something here. I have clients. I'm starting to make some money. Um, When was that time period in your three years of having Boho? I think it was probably 12 months in. So I think it was around the 12 month point where everything started to change. Like there was just suddenly more money in the business account and more clients than I could handle. And yeah, things were really taking off. And that was after I had got the help of a business coach to kind of help sort me out and redo my prices. Um, and yeah, I remember putting my prices up. I remember sending the, like the price increase email and I felt sick all day and I kept putting off sending it and I kept putting it off. Uh, I had to get like a friend to be like, have you sent it yet? Have you sent it yet? It's like, no, I can't do it. I can't do it. And not only did I not lose any clients, I had clients emailing back going, oh, congratulations, so proud of you. It's so great that your business is growing and you're investing more in your business and, you know, we love the work you're doing, totally happy to pay, you know, the increase. And at that moment, I increased my prices. I started getting more inquiries. Like my website was, like my website inquiries were coming in. I was getting more DMs on Instagram. I was like, what? I put my prices up and now I'm even busier. Um, which was crazy. So that was probably one of the moments where I was like, is this real life? Like (laughs) I'm charging more and more people want to work with me. Uh, And it was like, like the value, like people could see the value in what I was offering. And I think before it might've even looked like suspiciously too cheap. It was like, hang on, something's up here. Like something she's doing isn't quite right. So yeah, that was like a huge turning point in the business was putting those prices up at about the 12 month mark. And yeah, things have just been pretty insane since then. And honestly, just it, we just keep going up and up and up. So yeah, increasing your prices isn't always, it's, I don't think it's ever a bad thing. Hey there, Nathan Chan here, CEO and publisher of Founder Magazine. If you're enjoying From Zero to Founder and you want to learn from some of the greatest entrepreneurs of our generation, then I highly recommend you also subscribe and check out the Founder Podcast. We talk to some of the most successful people on the planet to discover how they're building their businesses. So you can take a front row seat as we go deep and we learn from some of the founders of brands like Netflix, Dropbox, Reebok, and so many more, and how they built these companies. You can find the Founder Magazine podcast with Nathan Chan on all podcast platforms. Make sure you subscribe. All right, now let's get back into the show. I'd love to know more about like how you've grown across the years. So from like year one to year two and two to three, how is your profit margin been? Have you, you know, hit those six figures? Have you kind of got 
other goals in terms of I know you have a team now and that's growing like how have you how have you gone in terms of growth for Boho? Yeah I think after that one month after that one year sorry that things really started to escalate so I had goals with my business coach and that was like the 10k month I think a lot of us in business have that 10k month goal um, so I had that and I did three consecutive 10k months and my business coach kind of said like this means that you have the tools now to keep being able to you know bring in that that 10k I was like cool just keep doing what I'm doing and then it just kind of kept growing like by two grand by four grand by five grand I was like oh my gosh okay like is this the new normal or did I just fluke it was it just like a fluke month and then three months went past and I was like okay no still making like well over 10 okay here we go here we go and now I have like sort of capped myself again while I grow because I need more systems and automations and processes in order before you know I take on another team member or give current team members more hours because you need that good foundation before you can go to the next level so I'm at a level where everything's working pretty smoothly but I know I need a few extra little things in place to be able to take on more clients so it's a difficult phase to be in I guess because I know that there's more clients that want to work with me and I want to work with them but I also know from, you know, previous experience that it's overwhelming if you don't have, you know, the processes and procedures and all that, especially automation in place to, you know, go to the next level without any more stress. You just want it to be nice and cruisy and just feel like where you are now. And yeah, systems, processes, automations definitely make that so much easier. Mm-hmm. And uh, I completely can understand and see where that could start to snowball if you didn't have those processes in place. And I think it's so exciting that you've been able to see the trajectory of Boho Social in just three years. Because three years, yeah, it might seem like a lot of time, but it really isn't, especially with two of those years being quite changed with the climate of the world and, and having a lot of things changing mm. I guess, you know, it's very unpredictable. So I think it's it really takes a hat off and commending you to the hard work that you've done to have this success and this growth. And I'd love to know, and I'm sure a lot of people listening, hiring can be a bit tricky when you've never really had to do it before. You've worked for other managers. You've kind of had the colleagues that you, you know you like and you, the things you like in employees. How did you navigate the, the hiring process for your own company? Yeah, I found this hard. I've been managers of departments in agencies, so I've had people working, you know, under me, so to speak, and didn't have a problem like telling people off or chasing people or any of that. But as soon as I thought about doing it for my own business, I thought, oh my gosh, what if I'm a bad leader? What if I'm a bad boss? What if I do this? What if people don't like me? Um, What if I can't find the right person? And I think one of the main things was hiring before I was ready. So just like putting a job out there, I put a, um, a, a story, I put an Instagram story up just being like, hey, Boho Social's hiring. Um, and the response I got was insane. Not only people congratulating me, but people I didn't even know were interested in working for me were like, oh yeah, I'm sending you my resume right now. You know, I'm on Indeed, like filling out the application. And I was like, oh my gosh, wow. That's insane that so many people want to want to work with me. And the next thing I did was found other people who had hired before. So I was like, who do I know in my circle that, you know, has a team, things like that. So it's my cousin, her and her husband have a um, very established business that's been going for a long time. So I was like, hello, (laughs) you know, how how do I interview and how do I shortlist people and things like that? So she sat down with me and went through the applications and told me her thoughts, like why this person would be good, why they might not be the best fit and things like that. 
And then the next step was just doing it. I was like, hey, like this is, I shortlisted my, my applicants. So I got it down to four people that all sounded amazing. And then just had that in-person interview and really got a feel for them, got them to chat and asked a lot of, I guess, behavioral questions and personal questions that couldn't be pre decided so you know like when you're first interviewing you like you already know what you're gonna say because you know the response that people want to hear i like throwing those like curveball ones where i'm like you can't have planned this before you you met with me like you're gonna have to think of it on the spot and that's when i really got to know people because you know they had to answer these tricky questions that they weren't expecting and yeah i found an amazing first team member she was just the best i couldn't we're still she doesn't work for me anymore but we're still friends we catch up for coffee and drinks and all that stuff couldn't have asked for a better first hire and i think after that first hire it was so much easier i understood how contracts worked i understood you know that a good onboarding process is really good for, for team members so giving them lots of information and really making that time to sit down with them like multiple times to explain like our systems our procedures you know our communications and like what the communication of the company looks like and all those things and now i find every new hire is not only easier but i want to tell them so much more i'm like no, i can't overshare like i want to tell you this about the business and i want to tell you that about the business and I want to tell them the things that I might not be really strong at as well, because I'm usually hiring them to cover, you know, either things that aren't my area of genius, things I just don't want to do anymore or things that, yeah, aren't my strong point. So that honesty was really hard to begin with because I was like, I'm a boss. I have to look, you know, perfect and all this. And then I found actually being really honest and being like, Hey, you know, this isn't my strong suit, but it's yours. I can't wait for you to help with that. Uh, yeah, forms like a, just a better connection and it, it doesn't feel like the whole like boss employee thing. It's just like, we're all hanging out, having a good time, doing the parts that we love. And um, yeah, my team are remote. So I do have a beautiful team member that lives where I live, but she works from home because it's just easier, especially with the climate at the moment with everything that's going on, it's easier for everyone to work at home. And who doesn't want to work in their pajamas? like <laughs> if you could why wouldn't you and yeah getting that communication on channels like zoom and whatsapp and uh, click up and all the tools that we use was just so helpful to to say to everyone like you can't over communicate with me like if you buzz if my whatsapp goes off like 20 times i'd rather that than like not hear from you i just i want to hear from you i want to chat i want feedback can we do this better and i think the more I've worked with people and the more hires I've had, that communication is just something that I've found that's the most valuable thing of hiring at all. It's like, let's just chat, let's chat it out. Like, what can we do? And continuously catching up with people and making sure like, they're happy, they like what they're doing. And, you know, is the way that they're doing their job, could, could we improve it? Always getting that feedback from people has made yeah, such a big difference to the way we do things. And I feel like now my hiring process is i mean it's always room for improvement but i'm happy where it is like without onboarding um but again it's just like do it before you're ready and see what works and what do you'll very quickly see what works and what doesn't from that very first hire because there'll just be like holes that you've missed and then the next time you'll be like okay we need to fill in that hole for the next time we do this so yeah it's just trial and error mm, and 
such amazing insights on that. And I think everything you've said reigns true. And, you know, it sounds like a really fun place to work. I would love to work in my PJs every single day. (laughs) So I think you fostered a really great environment too, which just makes uh, your business so much more, I guess, genuine. I think that's the vibe that I get. Like, it just seems really, really nice and cozy. But um, I think also another thing that I really want to ask you is, The power of organic compared to paid, because I know a lot of people might be thinking, yeah, but how far can you really get on organic? Like I'm going to put some money in Facebook. I'm going to put some money in these other platforms and I'm going to get a return on my investment. I would love to know and hear from your own thoughts. How has the power of organic really changed throughout, whether it's been through COVID or just since you've started your own business? There's just so we get ads everywhere, right? So not ads have got to be really good now. Ads have got to be really authentic or funny or genuine or whatever it is for us to stop scrolling because otherwise, you know, we go past them. And I think people there was a stage where ads weren't quite at that level of authenticity. Yet. Ads were still very generic ads. So that's when organic stepped in and was like, hey, I'm going to show myself or I'm going to talk about my why and my passion and all these things, and people could start to see. I think the main thing was people got to see the faces behind businesses and there was this like massive push like behind the scenes, packing orders, uh, meeting team members, all that, or just people sharing a little bit more about themselves. And we weren't seeing that from, you know, huge corporations. We weren't seeing like the CEO be like, oh, here's my breakfast or, you know, here's me walking my dog. Like we just got at a level where we got to see that. But with small businesses, we just got to start showing this is my business, this is my office. And it was people being really raw and honest, being like, my work desk is like five packing boxes with like seven Jamie Oliver cookbooks holding my laptop up, you know? (laughs) And I think before then, we all tried to look super professional and polished and, you know, we tried to look bigger than we were. Whereas now I think the authenticity of being like, you know, it's just me or it's me and my husband or you know, it's me and these 10 members or it's me and my dog in my garage packing these orders for my e-commerce store. It actually made us so much more relatable that people not only wanted to follow us for, you know, our product or service, but they wanted to see our journey because without even knowing it, so many business owners inspired other people to start their business, you know, launch that e-commerce store that you've been thinking about, start that service that you know that you're good at, that you can offer people Whereas before it was just like, here's what I do. This is what I sell. This is what I am. You know, it was very kind of, it was still kind of corporate. Whereas now it's like, hey, this is me. And like you said before, I'm really big on the authenticity uh, in my business. And that's what I wanted when I created Boho Social. It was like, I love, you know, Boho fashion. And I'm really big into the 70s. And it was like, I'm just going to go for it and put that in my brand. Like I'm going to show up and I'm going to wear my flares and, you know, I'm going to show up with like feathers in my hair and I'm just going to do it and see if it resonates with people. And coming from corporate, I was a little bit scared. I was like, oh, maybe people will just think I'm not professional, you know, because the way that I dress or that I'm a bit, you know, sarcastic or funny or whatever it is, maybe people won't resonate. But the opposite happened and everyone's like, I love your vibe. You know, I love seeing this or seeing that. And I think that was a huge shift that pushed organic was being able to show more of the people behind the businesses that are doing all those amazing things. All of those amazing organic strategies you've mentioned implemented into your clients. How, what sort of results have they seen? How have they grown? I know you mentioned 
you've grown clients from 2K to 20K. Is that, you know, consistent? Like what are some of the results that your clients have achieved? Yeah, so uh, we did a case study recently, which was, uh, yeah, the client went from 2.5K to 20K in just over six months, um, which was amazing. So 500%, I think it was 507% growth rate which was just amazing. Um, another client was very similar. I think she started on 5K and she's up at about 15, 16K at the moment, which is just so, so cool. Um, fairly similar. I'm not saying I can get everyone 500% growth. It's the clients that put, put the work in. And I think it's that dedication to respecting the platform. I, a lot of people are like, I hate it and I don't like it. And I think those people, they never see the full... I don't know, magic of, of growing organically on Instagram because there's something inside them that's sort of holding them back because they don't like it. Whereas the clients that embrace it and they're like, let's do this. Like I'm going to do reels. Um, you know, I'm going to hire someone and let you kind of do creative things. That like one client, she just like, lets me do right from the start. She was like, you do you. I'm sure it will be amazing. Um, and, you know, she grew to, she's on 20 something K now. Just embracing it. I think makes a huge difference. So a lot of clients are still a little bit reserved or people that I talk to, small business owners, they're not quite at the point where they're ready to show themselves or ready to show behind the scenes and things like that. That's where I'm trying to take people because I'm like, trust me, as soon as you start showing a little bit more authenticity, more of you and behind the scenes and sharing your journey, that is when the magic is going to happen and you're going to get that faster growth. You're still going to get growth, but that real magic of that sort of accelerated growth of less space that we all really want in our businesses. That's where it's going to happen. So yes, it, it's consistent. If I think you're willing to do all the things that I guess organic marketing requires now, which is so much more than when, you know, Instagram first started, we didn't have reels. We didn't even have stories. Um, and I remember when stories first came out, there was a huge pushback. People like now, I'm already posting enough content. There's no way I'm going to do this like story every day thing. Like no one will watch them. And then we realized that, you know, stories are a great place to sell. And because people see our stories that are already following us, that's where we get to share the more personal side of things because we have this connection with those people. And, but there was a pushback against stories. People like, I don't want to do them. You know, I don't want to show you behind the scenes. And now I think I'm seeing the same thing a little bit with reels. It's like, oh, now I've got to get on video again in another form. But looking back, it's like, no one wanted to do stories, but now we all do stories. And I think the same thing will, will eventually happen with just reels, but just all video in general and showing up. So yeah, with that accelerated growth, the more willing you are to try new things, show yourself and really push yourself out of your comfort zone, that is where you get to see that those results just skyrocket those beautiful you know moments of impact where you're, you see all these new people starting to follow your account and at the same time seeing your business grow mm -hmm. definitely the true power of organic definitely and those case studies are just a few reasons why i believe you're featured in the top 10 ceos to watch in yahoo finance is that correct Yes, that was so exciting. Yeah, it sounds like such a great opportunity and you've had so many amazing features since then and as well as being able to be on podcasts like this one and do workshops and speak at events. Did you want to quickly let us into that side of the success that you've had from starting this business? Yeah, so workshops were something that I'd never really considered. I was just, you know, managing people's social media 
was my thing. And someone DM me and said, Hey, I've got these like 20 women who are business owners. Do you want to do a workshop for them? And I was like, okay, I quite like public speaking. I'm one of those weird people that don't mind public speaking. So I was like, okay, um, I'll do it. Like I knew I could teach them the thing. So I was like, let me put a workshop together. And this beautiful woman who put this workshop together is also an events planner. So the event was beautiful. Like there was flowers and there was champagne and it was all branded and the venue was stunning. Um, and I felt so special and so important that, you know, this was, I was doing the speaking for this event and people were tagging me in their stories. And it was like this like little mini media coverage in, in Perth because I'd never really seen myself. It was just like me doing my business, not as it was always boho social as a business, not like Madison as a business. But for the first time I was like, oh my gosh, people are like talking about me and they wanted to talk to me at the end of my workshop and, and all these things. So after that, and it was so successful and I loved every second just talking and asking, answering everyone's questions that, you know, I think I just put it on my website, like, you know, workshops available if you want. And I was starting to get contacted by like local councils and networking groups and lots of business coaches that want to be in their online courses and just all these people. Um, and since then, yeah, people have reached out. I've done a few of my own workshops as well. And now I have a content planning club basically where we meet fortnightly and it's like a fortnightly planning workshop that we do together because I could see this need for, for workshops, but yeah, it still feels really surreal. Like being featured in Yahoo, um, Australian business journal and those places it still doesn't feel real. It was one of my goals to sort of get myself out there and be published and this and that. But yeah, I still don't have a great relationship with it. Like I'm so proud of myself and happy, but it still feels weird like hearing myself on podcasts or seeing myself like in the media. So I think it's one of those things that um, you just have to get used to, but also so, so exciting and so grateful for all the opportunities that I've had it's it's absolutely amazing and I think you know as I mentioned at the start three years to have all of this amazing success and now to kind of have your own name put out there as uh, another extension of the brand is really exciting as well and another podcast for you to cringe at when this episode goes live so I look forward to that one <laughs> but um, working towards wrapping up here I would love to know what you have planned for the future of boho social do you have any big goals do you have any other services you want to provide can you give us a little glimpse into what it might be in the next six months to 12 months i have so many things i want to do i heard it would be recalled to as like shiny disco ball brain where you have all these ideas and you want to do all the things at once so i'm trying to like calm my disco ball down but i did mention um content circle which is our monthly uh, fortnightly planning workshop and community and I really want Content Circle to have as many small businesses in it as possible because we've only been going for two months now and the feedback and the results these members are getting is literally insane from like, you know, one post making them like multiple sales to growing their followers to, you know, the, the magic number that they wanted to hit by a certain point, all these things. And we're seeing happening really, really quickly. And also these business owners get to like network and meet other people and get feedback, not only from myself, but people in the membership as well. Um, and my passion, I just love coaching so much. And this just means that I get to coach more people at once. Whereas one-on-one -on -one coaching is quite limited, obviously, to how many people I can coach 
in a week. Whereas Content Circle has the capacity to have so many more people in it at once, all learning not only from myself, from each other. So next six months, I really want to get open. I've been opening it very slowly each month. I've been letting like a few more members in just to make sure that everything is, you know, running as it should be. So yeah, seeing more beautiful content circle members and growing that and being able to help so many more small business owners with an even smaller budget uh, is definitely a goal for me. So hopefully that is going to be my new hero product moving forward and I can just help so many more business owners with their social media. Mm -hmm. I can't wait to see that come to uh, fruition because it sounds like such a really unique idea that you've had and as you said, sometimes you feel like you can't help everyone, but I feel like this is a really good way to kind of connect more to smaller businesses and, and help as much as you can in the limited time that you have, which is so, so great. And my last question and my final question, as anyone who is true watchers and listeners of this podcast know, is if you have one key bit of advice that you would like to share to anyone listening, what would it be? Start before you're ready because there's no green flashing light one day you wake up and there's a little sign above your bed that says, today's the day, you're ready today. I don't think you're ever going to feel 100% ready to start your business, launch that new service or product or do whatever that thing is you really want to do. You've just got to give it a go and do it. So with anything in business, start before you're ready and you just work it out. You work it out as you go, but you never know if you don't start. Mm -hmm. And I love the saying, you can always fall on your feet. And I think that's very, very true to the advice you've given. And I want to thank you, Madison, again, for sitting down with me today and sharing all the amazing insights and wisdom that you've had from Boho Social in the three years. So thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me. Hey guys, we hope you're loving From Zero to Founder and you're getting a ton of value from it. If you want to access the exact free training that led today's founder to where they are now, head to founder.com or head to the link in the show notes.